We'll stand and read several portions of Scripture. We will use our Bible much tonight, very often. Psalm 62. Psalm 62, we're going to read verses 1 through 8. Psalm 62, verse 1 reads, Truly my soul waiteth upon God. From him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. How long will ye imagine mischief against a man? Ye shall be slain, all of you, as a bowing wall shall ye be, and as a tottering fence. They only consult to cast him down from his excellency. They delight in lies. They bless with their mouth, but they curse inwardly. Selah. Our key portions of scripture begins in verse 5. My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. And God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Verse 8. Trust in him. At all times, ye people, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. And let's bow for prayer. Thank you, Father, for this evening. And Lord, again, I want to pray for our pastor as you uh, protect him, that you would bless him and his heart, uh, give him the uh, clarity of mind as he uh, goes about the things that he needs to get done. For our message tonight, Lord, please empower me and fill me with Thy spirit, that I may speak clearly, and that the words that I say from your book may edify those that hear, and that we would all be attentive to what is said tonight. We love you, Lord, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you may be seated. I've entitled my message tonight, Patience During Trials. Patience During Trials. How many of you, first of all, want me to end early? How many of you want me to end late? All right. Just so I I can get an idea. Pastor said, if you want the people to love you, end early. If you want the people to hate you, end late. (laughs) No, I will end when the Lord says to end. Just so you know. All right. Uh, we are going to use our Bible much today, so if you could, please turn to Genesis. I will use these couple of verses as my launching pad. Um, if you notice in the back of your prayer bulletin is the outline, and it is pretty simple, pretty basic. Genesis chapter 11, I want you to turn there, because we will start there. But this idea of patience during trials, all of us have a trial that we are going through. It may not be a trial now, but it will be a trial coming soon. You may be right now in the mountaintop where everything's happy, where everything's right, where everything's blissful, where you have money in the bank, where your car's running fine, where the dog's healthy. Uh, you may be there on that mountaintop today in your present state of life where you are. However, your trial, your valley will be coming, uh, because it's in the valley, as we learn. It's in the valley where God will test, prove, and try. But the key point and focus that I want us to key on tonight 
is, how do we handle, how do we remain patient in our trials? So, beginning with number one, the examples of patience. That is in your uh, underline there, the examples of patience. I want us to look at three key individuals in Scripture, and there are many, there are many, there are many, there are many examples, people that I could have used, but I chose these three in particular. Uh, so the examples of patience, if you could please write that in. Let's look at letter A, Abraham. I want us to see that, hey, Abraham, he had trials. He had uh, shortcomings sent his way. He had things that God wanted Abraham to learn. Genesis chapter 11. So what was Abraham's uh, trial? Well, look at verse 29. And Abram and Nahor took them wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and the father of Iscah. But Sarai was barren. She had no child. Turn over to Genesis chapter 12. Look at verse 1. Now the Lord has said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. So we can see, just by the two couple of scriptures that we've read, Abraham was promised children. Abraham was promised an heir. Let's continue reading. Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15, look at verse 1. After these things... The word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what would thou give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, Behold to me, thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. He's saying, Look, God, you haven't given me any children, and this one that I have in my house is my heir. Yes, the Lord, where are my children? Verse 4, And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look, now toward the heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. Look, Abraham, you're going to have children. This is a promise. Don't you trust me? Don't you trust me? This is a promise that I've given to you. I've spoken my word to you, and it's a definitive Promise, it's going to happen. Look at Genesis 17. Genesis 17. So, Wednesday night, prayer and Bible study. So, we are going to use our Bible the whole time. So, Genesis chapter 17, get used to flipping pages. Verse 17 of Genesis chapter 17. Then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is an hundred years old? And shall Sarah, that is 90 years old, bear? This is crazy. Verse 18, And Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. So God, listen, yes, you did say, I'm going to have children. Yes, you did say that. But can you just please do this? I mean, kind of tired of believing your promises. I'm kind of tired of waiting on you. I'm kind of tired of this trial. And whatever trial you may have might be similar to Abraham's. It might be a wayward son. It might be a wayward daughter. It might be a wayward aunt. It might be a wayward grandmother. It might be a wayward mom, dad. Whatever your situation is, 
Let's not be like Abraham. God, just take Ishmael. I'm tired of waiting. I'm tired of this that I have to go through. Look at verse 19. And God said, Sarah, thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed. So listen, Abraham, she's going to bear a son. And thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. Continue looking on Genesis 18, verse 12. So God is reiterating his promise to Abraham. He says, look, you're going to have a son. Sarah is 90 years old. Abraham, he's 100 years old. Could you imagine having children at that age? That doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. So you can see the turmoil and the concern and the agony and the trial of waiting and being patient and enduring the great desire of Abraham's heart, the great desire of Sarah's heart to have children. You can imagine the pain that Abraham's going through. Look at verse 12. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? This is crazy. Look at verse 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. And then Sarah continues. Sarah just laughs. But you see how long the promise of God took. The trial that Abraham has to go through of just waiting and enduring and being patient and waiting and waiting and waiting for the promise of the Lord. Has God spoken to your heart about some issue in your life and some decision that you need to make that you have not yet given over to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm willing to wait on you. I am willing to be patient with you. But please help me through this trial. Go to Genesis. Genesis, let's see, 21. Lo and behold, the promise has been fulfilled. Genesis 21. And the Lord visited Sarah, and he had said, as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. So, did God lie? Did, did God come through? The answer is yes. But what happened? Abraham, he struggled. He was in anguish. He was in despair, probably, of waiting for a child, of waiting for seed, and nothing happens. You could imagine how Abraham was, but how are you going to be in your trial, in your circumstance situation? For Sarah conceived, verse 2, for Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the, look at those words, at the set time, at the set time of which God had spoken to him. So it's not our timetable, friends. It's God's timetable, and we need to wait for him. My next example, letter B, Joseph. Genesis 37. Genesis 37, please turn there. Genesis 37. Letter B is Joseph. So we just looked at Abraham, who wants a child. And we can take that trial and apply it to ourselves. Like I said, 
Do you have a wayward son, daughter? Do you have a wayward child? Whatever it may be, whatever the trial is for you, I want us to learn tonight to be patient on the Lord. I want us to wait on the Lord. We're now looking at letter B, Joseph, Genesis 37, verse 23. And it came to pass when Joseph was coming to his brethren that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him. And they took him, cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty. There was no water in it. Verse 25, And they sat down to eat bread, and they lifted up their eyes and looked, and behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels bearing spicery and palm and myrrh and going to, car- going to carry it down to Egypt. And Judah said unto his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him. For he is our brother in our flesh, and his brethren were content. Could you imagine your own family? They just conspire against you, sell you to the Ishmaelites so that you could be a slave, and they say, see you later. Could you imagine your own family doing that to you? Some of you probably can. But Joseph, the crying must start now. The tears must start at this point where Joseph is being sold, where Joseph is he's, he's hated by his brethren. Even his parents were like, Joseph, what is this? Wacko dream you're thinking of. You need to just calm that down. But Joseph, could you imagine the tears? Verse 28, look at that. Then there passed by Midianites, merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver, and they brought Joseph into Egypt. I wonder if Joseph was angry that day. I wonder if Joseph was sad. I wonder if Joseph hated his brethren. Hmm. Turn to Genesis 39. Genesis 39, verse 18. As we go over each example, I want you to put yourselves in the shoes of each person. Verse 18 of chapter 39. And it came to pass, as I lifted up my voice, so this is now Joseph, in Potiphar's house, and his wife comes over to lie with Joseph. And now, verse 18, it came to pass as I lifted up my voice and cried, speaking of Potiphar's wife, that he left his garment with me and fled out. And it came to pass when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in prison. He was cast into the prison. Joseph is now facing bars. Joseph is now facing disease. Joseph is now facing the rats. Joseph is now facing the keeper of the prisoners. Joseph is now bound. Going from the mountaintop, being in Potiphar's house, back down. Going from the, from the pit to the prison, or pit to the um, keeping of the, uh, of the household, now he's down to the prison cells. So what is he going to do now? Genesis 40. Look at that. Genesis 40, verse 23. So just to summarize the story, the butler and the baker, they're in the prison. um, And the butler forgets Joseph. The baker's killed. The butler forgets Joseph. Look at verse 22. But he hanged the chief baker, as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. So 
So now he's forgotten in jail. After Joseph had specifically told him, when you go see Pharaoh, can you remember me? Can you make mention of me? Look at verse uh, 1 of chapter 41. And it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed, and behold, he stood by the river. Note those words, two full years in prison. Two full years in prison. Like I said, put yourselves in the shoes of these characters. Joseph, could you imagine? You tell somebody, hey, can you please just remember me as you go talk to Pharaoh? But you're stuck in that nasty, stupid prison for two years. You're stuck. You're in a trial. You're facing, you're facing a world of emotion. You're facing anger. You're facing hatred by the other prisoners. You're facing uh, pain. You're facing hardship. You're facing hardship during the trial. Look at verse 14 with me. This is what they had to do to Joseph to bring him back. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon. And he shaved himself and changed his raiment. He had to shave himself. He had to change his clothes. Probably needed a bath. What do you think was going on in Joseph's mind? Do you think anger? Do you think bitterness? Do you think the Lord forgot about him? Let me be honest with all of you, and I'm sure you can say the same thing. Probably be angry at the Lord. But all through this, the Lord was with him. He had that spark of faith. He had that jolt of electricity from the Lord. But could you imagine the human, the, the, just the human emotion going on in Joseph's heart? I'd be upset. Two full years in the prison, and the baker, the, the, the butler, didn't even tell Pharaoh. Look at Job. Here's another individual. That's letter C. Here's another individual that pretty much lost it all. Humanly speaking, why continue to live? But Job knew why he should continue to live. He had a Savior. He had a God in heaven. Job chapter 1, verse 13. Look what happened with Job. Job chapter 1, verse 13. And there was a day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. There came a messenger unto Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the asses feeding beside them. And the Sabaeans fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The fire of God has fallen from heaven and hath burned up the sheep, the servants, and consumed them. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. And again and again, while they were yet speaking, move down to, Joseph, or to Job chapter 1, verse 20. Then Job arose and rent his mantle, shaved his head, and fell down upon the ground and worshipped, and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. I wonder if that would be our attitude during our trial. You see, God, you brought this circumstance, you brought this problem into my life, now how am I going to respond? Am I going to be angry? Am I going to be bitter? Am I going to 
drown my sorrows away? What am I going to do? Well, what did Job do? What did Joseph do? What did Abraham do? You know what they did? You know what they had all in common? They trusted. They trusted. True patience, listen to this, true patience is waiting without worrying. True patience is staying calm inside in spite of a storm on the outside. True patience is learned by enduring tribulation. Look at Job chapter 2, verse 6. Job chapter 2, verse 6. And again, the Lord allows Satan to afflict him. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, he is in thine hand, but save his life. So went, Satan, so went Satan forth from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot unto his crown. Could you imagine you lose all of your family, you lose all of your livestock, you lose all of your money, you only have your wife who ridicules you, and you're now Job where you have nothing but a little, little boil, a little couple boils on your skin. Where, where, humanly speaking, you want to say, well, thank you, Lord. Well, thank you for the boils, too. I lost everyone. I lost everything that I have. And now I have these friends who are just mocking me, who are just making fun of me, who are no help to me whatsoever. And you brought these mockers to console me, to make me feel better? Well, thank you, God. Think of that. Put your shoes in Job's shoes. How would you feel? How would you respond? How would you react? It's tough. Picture yourself losing all of your family. Picture that. We looked at Abraham. We looked at Joseph. We looked at Job. Number two tonight, I want us to look at our response. Our response of patience during trials. Please turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Please turn there. How will you respond if you lose everything? How will you respond when the trials come like a flood and they hit you smack in the face hard and you have no idea what to do? How will you react when, when um, the, the money is not coming in? How will you react when you lose the house? How will you react when the car breaks down? How will you? Your walk with God better be so good that you know how to get in contact with him. Your walk with God should be so strong that you know who's in control. Which brings me to point one, letter A. Remember, remember the promises of God. Remember. Hold your place in Matthew chapter 6. I want you to turn to First Peter. I want you to look at something. Turn to First Peter. Did I say first Peter? Okay. Second Peter. Second Peter. First Second Peter chapter one. Second Peter chapter one. I want you to look at verse twelve. Wherefore I will not be negligent. To put you always in remembrance. Always in remembrance. You know why Peter wrote this book? 
Simple. Remembrance. Peter wants you to remember. Look at Second Peter chapter 3, verse 1. Why did Peter write Second Peter? This is why. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of, finish the word, remembrance. Letter A, remember the promises of God. Go to uh, Matthew 6, back to Matthew 6. I just wanted you to see that. That's why we have church, to help you remember the promises of God, to help you remember the truths of the Lord, to help you remember, hey, you have a pastor, you have a Christian fellowship, you have beautiful music, you have the Bible, more importantly, and you have the Lord. You have the Lord. Remember. Remember the promises of God. Verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So again, we're focusing on our response to the trials. We need to remember. We need to remember. Verse 34, take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. I just want you to know, this message is not only for you. This message is also for me. In order for me to give the message that the Lord has given me, he had to speak to me about it first. So what I'm giving you to you is not what I've just said. Let me pull something out of the sky. It's something that God said, okay, this is the one I want you to give. Romans 8.28, turn there. Let's look at another promise from the Lord. So as we read these verses, remember that these are for us. We are to claim them. When you pray, and you do pray, when you see a scripture verse, do you claim that scripture verse for yourself? Do you know how to meet the condition for those promises? Do you know how to get your prayers answered? Are any of these uh, promises from God's word familiar to you? They should be. Because we need to claim them. They are for us. Verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God. To them who are called according to his purpose. These promises are for us Christians. We can claim them. We can speak them to, to the Lord. We can share what God has done for us. Turn to First Peter. Turn to First Peter. I hope I'm not wearing you guys out by turning the Bible, flipping the pages. Man. I love this. I love this promise here from God. It's, it's needful. I need it. All of you need it. We all need it. First Peter 5. Verse 6, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. I love verse 7. Read it. Casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. We have that beautiful promise. We're supposed to cast it upon him. It's kind of like if I were to take the hymn book. And we're not, not only just supposed to, here you go, Lord. We're supposed to cast it like fling it, cast it upon him. That's the idea of casting. Or J.R., you know, casting fishing rod, right? Just like that. Just cast that bait out there. It'll, it'll come. It'll get it. Number two, letter B, maintain your walk with God. Turn to Psalm 121. Maintain your walk with God. And how important that is that you maintain 
a love, not just maintain a relationship, maintain a love relationship with your Savior. What kind of friendship would you have with the other, with your friend, if you didn't love that individual to some degree? What type of relationship would that be? You know what those are called? Those are called acquaintances. They're not friends. You're supposed to love your friends. Jesus called us friends. It's because he loved us. Psalm 121, verse 1. The idea of maintaining your walk with God. I will lift up my eyes unto the hills. From whence cometh my help? My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. David's eyes are on the Lord. He says, Lord, I'm looking to you. I am maintaining my walk with you. I want to walk with you in righteousness and true holiness. God, help me to keep my eyes upon you. Go back to Job, chapter 13. Job, chapter 13. Look what Job said. In the midst of his affliction, in the midst of his trial, Job 13, verse 15. Though the Lord, though God, though he, it's not talking about his friends, it's not talking about his mom, it's not talking about his wife, he's not talking about anybody else, he's talking about God himself. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Wow. My trial is so afflicting to me. My mom is wayward. I just lost my house. My car, I don't have a vehicle. My son, my daughter's wayward. Though the Lord brings the affliction, though the Lord brings the trial, he will trust in him. I want you to picture something for a second. Envision this in your mind. Abraham, this idea of trusting. Abraham, he goes up to bring his son Isaac to sacrifice him. Picture this. You see Abraham, his servant, and Isaac going up the mountain. And he's scared. He is speculating. He is frightened. He's about to go kill his own son. He's about to take the dagger, take the knife, and slay his own son. You know what Abraham, you know what he sees? He sees trial. He sees testing of faith. But I want you to notice something. I want you to note this key, key phrase. God sees both sides of the mountain. God sees both sides of the mountain. He not only sees Abraham in faith climbing up that mountain to kill his own son, he also sees that ram finding some food. And then the ram climbs up and he's caught in the thicket. I want you to see that God sees both ends of our lives. He sees the wayward son trusting Christ. He sees the car being repaired. He sees the house being restored. He sees the family being restored. He sees whatever your circumstance is, God sees both ends of the mountain. He sees the ram in the thicket. He also sees Abraham sacrificing Isaac. And we all know the story. The angel says, no, don't do it. Don't kill him. Psalm 116, turn there. Psalm 116. But Christian, don't give up hope. You're waiting for something from the Lord. 
You're asking from, some, from him something that you need. Don't give up. Keep trusting. Keep relying on him. Keep your eyes lifted up above the hills from whence cometh your help. Keep your eyes focused on him. 116 verse 9. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. David says, I am going to keep my eyes upon him. I am going to walk before the Lord. I am going to maintain my fellowship with Christ. I am going to maintain that sweet communion with him as I go through this trial. Remember what I said. True patience is staying calm on the inside in spite of the storm on the outside. To end tonight, let us see. Pour out your hearts before him in prayer. Pour out your heart before him in prayer. Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 1, please. 1 Samuel chapter 1. You can be patient during the trial. You can. I can. We as a church family, we can. We just have to trust. We just have to wait. We have to love the Lord as we wait. Let's look at Hannah, 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 10. Speaking of Hannah, let's look at verse 9. And Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh, and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord, and she was in bitterness of soul, and prayed unto the Lord, and wept sore. Let me ask you a question. When is the last time the need that you had was so pressing that it drove you to your knees and you wept sore? I say that. It's convicting to me because I can't remember the last time. When is it? How long has it been for you? Or is the need not as important for you? Or do you just give a mental assent to the need and say, Lord, can you just please meet this need? I'm not really concerned about pouring out my soul to you. Sorry, Hannah was. David was. I'm sure in the prison, Joseph was. I'm sure Job in his heart, he was pouring out his soul to the Lord. When's the last time you have? When's the last time I have? Look at verse 11 of 1 Samuel chapter 1. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but wilt give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, in spite of Eli saying, Are you drunk? Are you drunk? No. She is just persistent in her trial. She was weeping bitterly. She wept sore. She prayed earnest. And Christians, that's what we need to do. We need to have earnest prayer before God in the midst of our trial. And whatever the trial may be, you need to have persistent prayer. Psalm 142. Psalm 142, please turn there. Psalm 142, look at verse 1. Is this your heartbeat? I cried unto the Lord with my voice. With my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. 
When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knewest my path. In the way wherein I have walked, they have prettily laid a snare for me. Look at verse 5. I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, Thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. You know, it's funny. In our day and age, we don't know how to do this. We don't know how to cry before the Lord. We don't know how to supplicate before the Lord. We are anemic Christians. I'm anemic. And yet, David can. David did. We are so far from what we read right here. I mean, think of it. We give God a couple prayers here and there throughout the day. But what's that pressing trial? What's that pressing need that you have that you need God to meet that he hasn't done for you yet? Maybe he's waiting for you to take a step of faith. Maybe he's waiting for you to trust him. Do we trust him? Or do we think we do? Do we think we do? Psalm 62, my last verse, Psalm 62. Number one, remember the promises of God. Number two, maintain your walk with God. Number three, pour out your heart before him in prayer. Psalm 62, back at the verse we read earlier. Psalm 62, verse 5. My soul, not my flesh, not just when I want to be done praying, not when I feel like I should be done. No, my soul, my soul, my inner heartbeat, my soul. Wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation, my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Christian, you want to know the answer for tonight's message? Verse 8, trust in him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. That's the answer. That's the answer. You want to be patient during trials? Learn to trust in him. Learn to claim his promises. Maintain your walk before the Lord. Pour out your soul before him. Make sure you're doing these things. Do you want to see victory? Do you want to see those answers to prayer? Follow this guideline that you now have. You have it now. may not have the verses, but I can give that to you after service. So let's pray. And we'll have our invitation. Our Father, thank you so much. We love you, Lord. Help us to trust you in the midst of our trials. Help us to be patient. Help us to pour out our soul before you. May we claim those promises that you so preciously put in the book. Help us to be Christians of the book. And may our mission, Lord, be to keep our eyes upon you. Lord, add your blessing to your word. Thank you so much in Jesus' name. Amen.